doors, you kick down walls. And anyone who tells you, you can't, you take your fears, your insecurities, your worries, you roll them all up into a ball, you turn those son bitches sideways and stick them straight up, then candy out! Pick your goal and stick fucking to it. You wishy-washy motherfuckers. I can't fucking stand you. I wanted to make sure that out of the 24 hours of the day, that I don't waste one single hour. Those hours were too precious. And so there I just want to tell people, don't give me this thing, I have a difficult time, I the time, and I don't have time for this, and I don't have that. You have time. You make the time. And now, welcome to the Be Informed Live Fit Podcast, sponsored by fitnessinformant.com. Jeremy Potman, men's physique man, walked across the stage to the Olympia several years. Uh, we'll be returning to the Olympia stage in 2020. Joining us here today to talk about men's physique. I think men's physique gets a bad uh, rap because people are like, well, those guys don't work their legs. Well, I made sure to ask Jeremy that question. Jeremy, do you enjoy working out your legs? And, and Jeremy is candid and transparent here on the Be Informed Live Fit podcast. This is the type of stuff that I want to bring you guys and girls. More people with experience within the space. It doesn't necessarily have to be sports, nutrition, and supplements, but people who've been there and done it before. People who've walked across the stage in the Olympia. Last week, we had Charles Griffin on the podcast. He walked across the stage at the Olympia. Jeremy Potman walked across the stage at the Olympia going against some major athletes like Jeremy Bendia. And we talk about, uh, we don't really talk about Jeremy on the podcast here, but we talk about Jeremy Potman's journey to the 2020 Olympia. We spent some time talking about FitOps. FitOps is an amazing, amazing nonprofit that founded by Matt Hesse, CEO of Performix. And, and Jeremy is associated with both Performix and the FitOps program. And it's nice to talk to Jeremy about his involvement in that, because Jeremy is a U.S. veteran. He was in the military. He, was, he had a deployment in Iraq. You know, his, his father was in the military. His grandfather was in the military. So this podcast is not just like, okay, how to lift the most weights, what supplements you should take or should not take. It is a podcast about life, about Jeremy's giving back to veterans who are trying to find a purpose through fitness, about Jeremy's quest to the Olympia, about Jeremy's time in the U.S. military. So I'm excited to have him on the podcast. I'm excited to bring you guys more and more of this. Coming up on the podcast, we have Reagan Grimes coming. You guys know Reagan uh, probably pretty well from Generation Iron, maybe via social media, Instagram. He's a Primeval Labs guy. Um, it'll be good to have him on the podcast to discuss a lot of the stuff that he's been going through, um, you know, in terms of his prep, his journey, uh, because if you recall, he was initially in the open class, then went down to classic physique, and now he's back, I believe, in open, so we'll talk with him too. But not to jump ahead of ourselves, let's focus on Jeremy. Jeremy is a quiet individual. He's 30 years of age, um, five foot six, jacked up, juicy, ready to compete at the Olympia. But he says some interesting things in the podcast that I found super interesting that, you know, as a competitor, as somebody who wants to win in everything he does, uh, and myself, Jeremy has a little different different take on it. So um, very cool to have him on the podcast. Just had an amazing week. As you can see, I'm wearing a Ghost Lifestyle hat here. If you're watching via YouTube, had an amazing week in Chicago, Illinois at the Ghost HQ. So uh, we got a chance to finally bring the 2019 Brand of the Year Championship belt to the team over at Ghost. We went downtown Ghost. We were at the HQ, spent an entire day there checking out new innovation, talking to the team about things they have coming out, talking to the team about their impact in the industry. So 
we will have a podcast uh, from the guys at Ghost as well coming up very, very soon as well as some content over at the Ghost YouTube channel as well. If you like what you hear today, hit that subscribe button. We're going to be on iTunes, Spotify, or on YouTube if you're watching. Write us a review. It helps up the algorithm so more people can purchase or find, not purchase, free of charge, find the podcast. And make sure you follow us on our social media channels, uh, on our handles. We're at Fitness Informant on Facebook, at Fitness Informant on Instagram, Fit Informant on Twitter. We're at TikTok as well, and Fitness Informant TV on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to shut my trap, get this over to Jeremy, have him do the talking, have me do the listening. Like always, guys, enjoy the podcast. Let us know what you think. Let's go. The new Gatorade is finally here, and I want to talk about the main difference between Gatorade and the old unicorn formula. Now, the huge difference is all the essential amino acids. Now, there are a total of nine essential amino acids. BCAAs are three of the nine, and then there's the other six. Now, in our old unicorn formula, we had 1,250 milligrams of the other six EAAs. Now we have a grand total of 4,000 milligrams of essential amino acids. Now you're probably thinking, what exactly does that mean? Now EAAs are actually more efficient at providing the energy necessary for muscles to grow pre, intra, and post-workout. And in times of dieting or any time that you're just under physical stress like when you're training, essential amino acids are actually better at creating an anabolic environment and maintaining a high state of muscle protein synthesis. Close that damn door, let's hit these people with some knowledge. Slap everybody in the ass with some knowledge on Ray's energy. Fact number one, we have neurotropics added to ours. Alpha GPC and tyrosine. These are active ingredients that actually pass the blood-brain barrier and calls for efficient focus. Next is caffeine. We're the only energy drink company that uses two different forms of caffeine. Caffeine citrate to hit you fast and caffeine anhydrous to hit you slow. Got any pee? Oh, you dropped it. What don't we want? We don't want wrinkles. Sugar causes wrinkles, and that's what we do not want. We have zero sugar in our raised energy. We also have the lowest count of sodium out of all the energy drinks on the market. Make sure you stop and pick up your raised energy and demand more. This is your personal invitation to the Redcon 1 Alpha Team, our new exclusive subscription program. Enjoy members-only access to the Alpha Team Apparel Collection, priority customer service privileges, early shopping on major deals, exclusive flavor selections, and a whole lot more. This is your opportunity to become a Redcon 1 VIP. There's limited spots available, so go to redcon1.com and sign up today.
Pittsburgh. Doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Spicy pineapple margarita. Golden very first emo show. I'm building an actual deck here. Back, back, do it again. We're back. Not back in Vegas. You're basically Gunther from front. Coming off a fresh win, my friend. A fresh win back, was it December 7th, 2019, qualifying for uh, Vegas again? Yes, sir. It's, yes, sir, uh, after taking uh, some much-needed time off. So Yeah. Well, I mean, you haven't been on the Olympia stage since 18, right? Yeah. So um, what was the – we're going to dive right into it. Like, in terms of taking the time off, what was your ultimate – was it sort of a mental break from the sport? Was it a physical, physical break where you needed to get bigger? No, it was uh, it was both mental and physical, but physical in the sense that my body, I felt like I was just kind of beat to shit after yeah. the 18 Olympia. Yeah. Um, I took the approach of uh, going into the 18 Olympia, I want to do whatever it takes. Um, and I found out that that's not really always the smartest way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I took a mental break, took a physical break and uh, felt good to do that. With the Olympia, it's, it's obviously like the showcase of bodybuilding. It's what you guys work really hard for. So you, I mean, you debuted in the Olympia back in 16 was your first year. Is that right? Yeah. And like a solid showing. Top three finish, finished third. Um, did you surprise yourself back in 16 that you finished that well? Um, I mean, it definitely is surprising. I think uh, competing as a pro or just competing in general, you need to look at it as uh, levels. Yeah. Um, you know, you compete as an amateur, and of course, your your goal is to become a pro. You know, once you're a pro, your goal is to place in the top five. Once you place in the top five, your goal is to win, and you, you keep doing that. So, uh, you know, coming off of a a win in 16, and then falling to ninth at the New York Pro that year, um, going to the Olympia was kind of like a little bit of redemption for myself. Yeah. So. How how much different is it competing as a pro as it was from an amateur level in terms of the competitive set? Um, competitively, it's not really different, you know, because you know, as, as an amateur, your goal is the same, and that's to win. Um, you know, obviously, you're competing against a much higher caliber, right. but you know, you yourself. If you're able to get on that pro stage, you know, it's for a reason. It's because you, you deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. So, again, to, it's not really different. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, you got to gotta evolve with the times, I guess, or progress. Right. And, uh, you know, that's the way you should always look at it is just constant state of progression. And like I said, there's a lot of these amateur guys that could be pros. Just a lot more guys happen to do the same show and look a little bit better. So. I feel like your uh, division, men's physique, has been super competitive 
for like the last several years. And case in point, like if you look at your finishes at the Olympia since your debut in 16 uh, to 18, you know, ultimately you always want to get better, right? Year after year. And, and so how would you describe your transition from 16 to 18? So you, you finished third and 16, um, I believe 10th and 18, right? So obviously probably in your words, maybe a disappointment. Um, how would you, was it more competition coming into the division? Was it your training or the approach? What was different between the years? Um, definitely the level of competition. Um, you can't write off any of these guys that are, that are doing it now. Um, they're coming in looking killer. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you look at somebody like Raymond, for example, um, he just pretty much burst onto the scene. And once he got his crack into those top, top placings, Mm -hmm. um, you know, guys like Chiron too. I met Chiron actually before my Olympia debut in 16 and this was before he was a pro and I, I was just like, holy shit, this guy's going to be a pro soon. And you know, now he's top three in the world now. So, you know, these guys that are coming up are no joke. Yeah. The division is progressing like no other. And you know, as much as they say, it's not, they don't want it to be a size game. It's turned into a size game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at guys like Brandon and, and Chiron, they're huge. Mm-hmm. And somebody who I, I'm five, six, you know, I step onto the Olympia stage at 153, and I've done that all. I did that in 16, 17, and 18. So I haven't really grown. Yeah. A um, little bit more muscle maturity, but in terms of, of size, it's hard to stand next to, to those big guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you started, the other Jeremy was kind of like, you know, the, the guy everybody was chasing. Um, and yeah. he's no longer, at least, I mean, he, he is no longer there. At least wasn't last year. And you have, like you said, Brandon and Andre and, and Raymond and these guys who are putting in the work. I remember speaking to Andre about a month before the Olympia. Uh, and he was like stoked, ready to go. And it's like, you know, it, it's cool to see your division excel. Because, I, I mean, I'll say from an entertainment standpoint, the men's physique division is probably the most entertaining to watch because you guys have personalities. And you guys are actually selling your division more. And I was just, I talked to Charles Griffin yesterday and he was on the Olympia stage for the Open. Those guys are quiet. They're, they cover up. They're training overseas. Did you guys, do you, do you feel it the need or necessity to speak, to have sort of that drama involved in the sport, to get eyes on it, to get more people to watch you guys? I think it definitely helps. Yeah. You know, like uh, when I did my Olympia debut, the big thing was uh, here I am, another Jeremy coming onto the scene. And um, there was the whole big Jeremy versus Jeremy that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, obviously when there's something to talk about or something to get people excited, it, it helps. You know, you have Brandon versus Andre yeah. consistently. And, yeah. um, you know, for the past, you know, several years, it's been kind of Jeremy versus everybody else. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it definitely it definitely adds some excitement. It definitely draws the attention. People love to see it. Um, now me, myself, I am one of the more quiet guys in the division, but, uh, I think it's just, you know, I'm, I'm a family guy. So <laughs> yeah, well, you have an interesting background, which we're obviously going to get into a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you guys, your division also caught, I don't know if you call it flack or grief from some of the open guys saying it's not bodybuilding or it doesn't deserve to be on the same stage. Like I, I, I don't know, man. Like that's, that's a bit extreme in my standpoint. Like I'm a bodybuilder by heart as well, but I, you guys put in a, fuck ton of work and work super super hard did you have a response to those comments in terms of like these open big big motherfuckers just like yeah you guys just i mean you're not the same yeah um 
you know, do you mind grabbing that baby from the voice from them? <laughs> Love it. Um, obviously, everybody's going to have their opinions, and and not everybody's goal is to to get massive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was a big fan of bodybuilding. You know, I was watching Branch Warren and Johnny Jackson. Those guys were the reason I started uh, training. Um, but I never thought of competing because I never wanted to get that big. So, you know, the, the introduction of this division is, it's great for a lot of guys like myself who, who don't want to necessarily get as big as bodybuilders. Um, now I don't agree with what a lot of those guys were saying mm-hmm. because like I said, we do put in the work, we do what we have to do. And as you see on the Olympia stage or on all the pro stages, you know, a lot of these men's disease guys are suffering just as much as the bodybuilders getting ready for contest prep. You know, they're coming in more conditioned a lot of the times. I know that was a big thing that a lot of people were talking about, I believe in 16 or 17. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the, uh, I don't remember who was doing the, the, uh, what do you call that? Uh, <laughs> uh, watching the, you know, this spectator or commentators. Mm-hmm. There you go. You know, they were talking about how these guys are coming in shredded and bodybuilders are not coming in as shredded <laughs> as they should be. Um, so like I said, you know, we put in the work. It's just necessary. We don't want to get as big as, as a lot of these guys. So that, that, that's my take on it is everybody's here to work. Everybody's here to accomplish their own personal goals. Right. So uh, I don't feel like there's any room for that negative BS, honestly. Let's set the record straight. As a men's physique competitor, do you train legs, Jeremy? I neglected them for a while, <laughs> uh, but I love them now. Yeah. I love training plays now. Um, you know, I, I was the kind of guy who would train during the off season, not hard, mm-hmm. I guess you can see with my legs. And then when contest prep came along, I was like, well, not sure my legs. Why don't I focus on putting more effort into the body parts that are being shown? Right. That's why I would take my reps. So, but now, um, I absolutely love it. I love that I've been able to bring up uh, normal proportions to my physique versus just being really top heavy. So, so I, I, Matt Hesse, obviously, you know, Matt, uh, Matt owns performance yeah. and performance house and stuff. And Matt and I were talking this summer when I was at performance house and he said, he's been trying to encourage you to potentially like move from the physique division to maybe move up into to more of a bodybuilding or maybe a classic. Has that been anything in, that you've thought about in terms of like, do you want to do you want to transition into a different division at some point? Or are you happy with the the physique, the men's physique? I would I would love to transition, um, but it takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, bodybuilding to me is all about progression. So you can't really progress so much in men's physique without getting pushed out of the division. So um, you know, I do see myself in a couple of years, hopefully making that jump. Realistically, though, like I said, it's going to take a while. And I'm sure you saw the video of uh, Brandon posing with George Peterson mm-hmm. when they were at the NPC headquarters. And that just goes to show when you have a huge men's physique guy like Brandon, but he still is getting dwarfed, like ginormously dwarfed by somebody like George Peterson. Right. So right. it just goes to show you that no matter how many or no matter how much a, a men's physique guy is like, all right, I'm going to make that move. It's not easy. Right. You know, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of work. And there's very few that can find success in doing that. In my opinion, the only one who's done it or the only two who have done it are Arash and Logan Franklin. Sure. I mean, Sadiq made a good transition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did. 
So three out of, I don't know how many, is not very promising, I guess you could say. Yeah, and a lot of people listening or watching might not be familiar with all I mean, Sadiq obviously is very popular on social too, but like this year they're going to see something in the Open with Flex Lewis coming back and participating in the Open Series at the Olympia. Obviously, Mr. 212, probably the greatest, most decorated 212 champion of all time. So it'll be good for fans to see somebody transition from, from one division to another and just see how hard it is. Because I think I love Flex, one of the nicest guys in the entire world, and, and I'm sure you agree. Um, he might have a hard time in Open against some of these big dudes. And, and it's going to show the fans, like even though how great he was at 212, when you transition into divisions, it's not super easy. Uh, and maybe he, nah. maybe he does fantastic. I don't know. It's, and we'll find out come September. But I think that'll be what a lot of people are going to look at come September is like, how is he going to do? Um, which, will yeah. be, which will be cool. It's good for the sport. Bodybuilding. The Olympia specifically. Like, it's been such an interesting event because number-wise, over the last several years, it's been down. And it's no secret. Like, we speak with the Olympic Committee. When you had Phil and Kai kind of headlining, it was at, and that was 2000 and. 14, 15, 16 in that area. Um, but then there hasn't been a ton because the open guys, like I mentioned earlier, just are quiet. They're not, there's not a lot of personalities to draw attention. What does the Olympia need to do? Because now we have Athleticon from The Rock and Danny Garcia yep. coming out in October. You have the Arnold, which I, I will, I'm a bigger fan of the Arnold Classic, like the weekend, um, even though I love Vegas. I love Vegas. But uh, for the weekend, the Arnold Classic, which you've competed there before too, what does the Olympia need to do specifically, do you think, for them to increase attendance and numbers again that weekend? Um, I, th I think they're, they're taking steps in the right direction right now. Um, as of last year, you know, bringing on, a uh, Dan Solomon, um, mm -hmm. Tam Dan's cool. Um, yeah. Um, you know, Tamer's a genius when it comes to this type of stuff. Cause I mean, you've seen what he's done with muscle contests mm -hmm. and how he's taking international. So I, they're, they're definitely taking steps in the right direction. They're getting the right people involved, um, in terms of, Bringing exposure, you know, Mark Wahlberg, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, of course, you know, when they brought The Rock on a couple of years ago, that was huge. So, like I said, it, it is they – are, they are taking steps. I know whether they're doing something with TNT right now, I believe. Sure. Yep. Um, so that's going to help, but uh, we would – there's nothing really the promoters can do outside of that. It, it comes down to the competitors yeah. and making it exciting again. So, um, like you said, I, you don't have that outspokenness that used to be there. You know, you're not going to really see guys like flex trash talking anybody. Yeah. Um, you're not going to see somebody like hottie trash talking anybody. Um, I mean, <laughs> I just really can't think of, when you think about like when we think about the like the bodybuilders, like we we were talking to, it's like Jay and Ronnie when they were going head to head, they would trash talk, but they would do it via DVDs. Like that's how that information got yeah. out. We have this thing called Instagram now. You might have heard of it, Jeremy. Like a lot of people use this thing, right? Like there's more <laughs> opportunity today. Yeah, there, there's more opportunity today than ever to sell yourself and promote yourself. Yet guys seemingly aren't doing it, or maybe they're not being. And, and ultimately, personal preference. Some people want to be in the spotlight. Some people don't. Um, for you, you're a quiet guy. Yeah. You put How much value do you put in your own personal stock in terms of like your personal worth? Because you're just at like a million followers on Instagram. Obviously, the more you look at like Andre and Brandon, they're outgoing, uh, outspoken on the Generation Iron DVDs and stuff. They're kind of, you know, their stock is what they make it. You choose yeah. to be silent. You're a family man. Yeah. Always been kind of your way? I... For the most part, yeah. There, there was, you know, I, I think when I first started getting a little bit of uh, success, 
for notoriety on Instagram. I was a little bit more outspoken. Um, you know, I, I was always around friends more. And now I just choose to um, spend my time with my dogs and my girlfriend mm -hmm. and family. Um, however, I do not feel like, you know, as, as far as being a, a social media personality or whatever you want to call it, influencer, um, it doesn't help me per se. You know, it, it definitely, I feel like draws people away. Why are they going to pay attention? Unless I'm in contest prep or something sure. and they love seeing sure. freaky shit. But uh, outside of that, I, I've definitely scaled back a lot on, you know, uh, doing stories and stuff like that and, and not showcasing more of, of who I am or what I do. Um, and that's something that I actually probably should start working on again, you know, just, just, you know, for the people who do support me. So they do know what's going on in my everyday life. So if you, and that, that's if you weren't a men's physique competitor and you weren't who you are, would you be active on social media? And probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, after the 2018 season, I actually thought about stepping away from social media and pursuing, you know, uh, following, my one of my passions which is uh the fire department um just because i've always liked that whole serving my community or country type mm -hmm. vibe uh, that's why i was in the military and um i felt like having a sense of purpose is bigger to me than anything else and the only reason i'm still doing this honestly is because of performance and fit ops and uh they kind of helped me find that sense of purpose again and helping veterans. So, um, that's a lot of reason why I'm still more active than, than I probably thought I would have been. Sure. Adding my product is going to help you get to where you want to be. Five percenters is 5% of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. We're talking about business, success, education, willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. For the last two decades, we have been the best kept secret of the supplement industry. We've kept our heads down and worked. We pioneered full label transparency and full therapeutic doses because we believe that truly hard work requires truly effective tools. Two decades is a long time to commit to one pursuit. But when you act with purpose and become centered in yourself, eventually you realize that you were born and bred for this. The things you once thought impossible, you now do every day. We don't like the easy way, just doesn't feel right. We'll take the long, hard road over a shortcut any day. It takes longer, sure, but in the end, you know you earned it. And with the right team behind you, pushing yourself further than you've ever been will be just another afternoon doing what you love most. I've spent most of my life chasing what's termed as unattainable. An obstacle in my path, I torment it. Any limitation trying to control my environment, I tame it. Any excuses I transform into commitments. The haters, they're too small for me to even see. For 28 months before Cage Muscle even released, I broke myself against the will to identify, track, test, 
and trial the ultimate resources available in human existence to bring you something the world has never seen. Change is upon us. Don't justify your complacency. Evolve with me. Part animal, part machine. I'm Chris Gethin, and I am Cage Muscle. the best can't wait for permission can't wait for anyone you have to believe in yourself you have to push yourself to be the best doubt you. People will say you're crazy. People will want to see you fail. And don't believe anyone that says you can't. There will be times when you want to give up. Don't. Keep Moving forward. Purpose. I mean, obviously, Matt speaks about purpose quite a bit, and we had Matt on the podcast. was was with him this summer at the Performance House. Um, super cool dude. Super cool dude. And obviously, you walk in the anybody gets an opportunity to ever go to the Performance House in New York, and, and eventually in Los Angeles, it'll be a cool experience. But you go into the one in New York, and you go in the men's locker room. And there's Jeremy's locker, and then next to Jeremy's locker, a little bit over is John Cena's locker. Uh, and next to John yeah. Cena's locker, there's a couple <laughs> other celebrity lockers. So it's like it's the place to be a pretty cool facility. Um, but before we hop into that, your service to our country, being in the military, something was that something you knew going through high school that you were going to ultimately enlist in the military, and that's what you wanted to do? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, my dad was military. My okay. grandfather was military. My older brother was military. Um, it, it's just like I said, it, it's a uh, uh, serving my country kind of thing. Um, so it, it, it was kind of instilled in me. My father, of course, would have preferred if I went to college, mm-hmm. but wasn't going to say no to me going to the military either. You know, I'm pretty sure he's, you know, more than happy with that. With your grandfather and your dad, both being in the military, how often did you move around when you were younger? A lot. (laughs) 
a lot. So it wasn't until my dad um, finished his time in the active in active duty that I finally settled down in one place. And uh, I think the longest I stayed in one place was like seven years. I think that was in Texas. So before that, though, like growing up, I was living in Japan, Washington State, um, a bunch of different other places. So it's uh, it was a lot of moving. How hard was that? Because I don't. I mean, I I'm not a military child, so I'm not familiar with it. But I know we have a lot of people who have been in the military, thinking about enlisting in the military. Uh, how difficult was that for you as a child, moving from place to place? Do you remember? Yeah, it wasn't really difficult at all. Honestly, uh, it was something I was able to adapt to very easily, and I still am very able to adapt to because um, I've moved around a lot. You know, from being in the military and then from doing this and. You know, I'm still trying to figure out where I really want to settle down. And uh, for me, it's easy to just pick up and go someplace new. Um, However, you know, for somebody like um, my girlfriend, I don't want to put her through that. So Mm. we're really Mm. trying to set set in stone uh, one one place. So even though your grandfather and your dad was in the military, were you ever scared to enlist? Were you ever scared to go into the service? No, no. Uh, I was always excited, always ready. Um, as soon as I was able to, with my parents' consent, I basically started what they call a delayed entry program. So while I was in high school, I was actually doing a lot of things through my local recruiter, like learning how to, you know, march and call cadence and stuff like that, do some personal uh, physical training and all that stuff uh, about a year before I even graduated high school. So, uh, how old are you right now, Jerry? 30. 30. So 30, and you enlisted in the military. Did you enlist when you were 18? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I uh, turned 18, I think I think it was like nine days later, I, sh- I went to basic training. So 2008, uh, for people listening, right? And now, if you backtrack from 2008, um, seven years was, was 2001, which was obviously a big year, September 11th, 2001. Now, was your dad active during 9-11? So my dad was actually out of the military at that point. Okay. Um, when 9-11 happened, he signed back up. Did he really? Okay. What was that like for you and your mom and the family? Because at that point, that's got to be a pretty scary moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, my dad was – he's a very patriotic guy just like myself. Um, so when 9-11 happened, it was a no-brainer for him. Um, signed back up, and he was one of the first guys to get out into Afghanistan mm-hmm. for his deployment. Obviously, my mom had myself, my younger sister, and my older sister to take care of. So it wasn't the easiest on my mom, but uh, we weren't the worst children. So <laughs> you say that, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah. no, that's good. Um, well, that, that's good. It's cause, so FitOps is an unbelievable organization, and I don't want. I, I need to spend some time on it because I've learned more and more about that through Matt, through what Performix does for it. There's a graduation coming up here again shortly. Um, but, but you, the last time you went to FitOps graduation, you were on prep, and I heard you were absolutely fucking miserable. And uh, <laughs> they invited me out to come to the next graduation, and I'm on prep currently, and my show's in May. So I was like, hold on a second. I don't know if I should do this or not. How'd you do yeah. it? How'd you do it? Uh, well, so I wasn't able to go through the full camp. I went for three days. Yeah. Um, cause there was just no way I would have been able to do a full camp, you know, not having the meals that I needed and them not being able to have the food that I needed, um, to do it. Um, and then plus, you know, taking part, I mean, I'm sure you know how it is getting off of routine when you're on prep is probably one of the worst things ever. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's a, it's an easy way to put you in a crappy mood. Um, plus, you know, you don't want to throw off your workouts, your cardio or any of that stuff. So, um, after taking 14 months from competing and away from the stage, um, this show was very important to me. So, uh, you know, I, I wanted to show face, see what FitOps was about, um, really experience the personal connection between, um, all the people like through it. And, uh, you know, that was amazing. It's just, like I said, if you're, if you're on prep and you're a couple, you know, even a month out from a show, it's, it's definitely not the easiest to do, you know, energy's low. Um, last thing you want to do is go on morning runs at six. So morning runs anytime, uh, anytime of day going yeah, on runs. Exactly. You mean you couldn't, you so, didn't want to live on Gabe Snow's uh, beyond meat diet the entire time you were there? Not, not, not so much. Yeah. Not so much. It looked bad. Yeah. It didn't taste bad either. I, I tried a little bit of it, but, uh, like I said, it definitely wasn't the easiest, even though I was only there for a few days. Um, so I was eating, you know, my, my rice and chicken were, were cold and right. I was keeping in my little Yeti cooler the whole time. So was, was this yeah. your first, uh, camp slash graduation weekend that you were able or weeks that you were able to partake in? Yeah. What yeah, was your was feedback? First... What's your takeaway? Man, it's, uh, it, it was truly amazing. Um, because he said, you know, uh, I don't know if you had the honor of meeting Bobby yet. Um, Bobby Summers, he is, he, he's a very important part of FitOps. Um, his story is the one that you listen to when you're watching any clips on YouTube. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. But, you know, just, just hearing him get up, tell his story and the stuff that he's gone through and seeing how much everybody can kind of relate. Um, it, it, it's very powerful. Um, and it, and it's a good way of bringing everybody together. Those people who've gone out of the military and miss that camaraderie. Um, and said, I, I hadn't experienced that since 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, and to, to see that again and experience it again was pretty awesome. Um, so that, and that, that was the first thing that was the first couple days. You know, just to see people that are complete strangers come together like that. So you can only imagine the the friendships that are built um, through the whole whole camp. And uh, like I said, if if any veterans are watching this, I definitely highly encourage you to look into FitOps because mm -hmm. um, it it truly does help a lot of people. Um, gives them that sense of purpose again. Um, like I said, that was something I've been missing since I've been out of the military. And, yeah. You know, I found again because of FitOps or being a part of it. So, yeah. I think what a lot of people might not realize either is if, if you are like a U.S. veteran and, and you want to be part of FitOps, it doesn't cost you anything. Like there are the profits from Performix, the supplement brand, goes into Feed FitOps. I mean, we, you know, obviously John Cena did a big campaign this last year around Veterans Day. We donated here at F5, but people donate their time, money, efforts, all that to help it out. It's, it's and it's not cheap for for them to do this either. Like I, you got to give credit to the FitOps organization. Like you have to fly people, put them up in, in barracks, feed them, um, all these things that they do. How did you find FitOps, or did FitOps find you? Um, so I was actually aware of FitOps. I didn't know exactly what it was. Um, I was aware of FitOps and performance because of Xavius Gaiden, okay. who was originally a part of it. Um, and then I remember when I was living in Dallas, I went to the gym there, and um, 
there was actually a fit ops event that was going on at the gym. Uh, so I actually got to speak to some of the guys who were a part of fit ops without really knowing what it was. And, uh, that was a couple years ago. So to actually, um, be a part of it now, um, you know, after somebody, I knew Andrew through working with VQ and he got on board with working for performance and fit ops and, um, as you know, he passed on my name to Matt mm -hmm. and they reached out and, uh, like I said, just hearing what it was all about, I couldn't be more excited to be a part of it. Do you, so Matt doesn't performance and, and Matt, they don't talk about the connection between the brands. Like we have done that for him. Like he's been very, very, uh, he didn't want to use it as sort of like an avenue to sell the, the supplement brand. But at the end of the day, like it's a goodwill marketing cause that they're doing in terms of feeding in profits to feed this organization. Now you yeah. see when you buy a performance product, you'll get a little uh, card in each one that, that, that talks about fit ops. Um, like what can you guys do? What can people do to spread the message more about fit? Ops? Do you think Matt should talk more about it with performance being the, the sort of the champion brand on it? I, 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 I don't know. Uh, it, it's kind of tough. Uh, you know, I feel like that's kind of where, where guys like myself come into play, mm -hmm. you know, is to spread more awareness on it. Um, I don't think Matt really wants to, um, make that connection so pronounced, Right. you know, so it doesn't seem, seem like something it's not, you know, because there, there are companies out there that I feel aren't as genuine. Um, and they do, do a bunch <laughs> of stuff and do a bunch of stuff to, to get, to, to feed off of that. Um, and you know, with, with Matt being a veteran, he understands how it is. Um, and that, that emptiness that's possibly there for a lot of people. So, uh, you know, I guess, I guess that's, like I said, we're guys like myself and, you know, obviously John Cena and, and um, anybody who just really is passionate about fit ops will speak on it. Have you met John? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of him? Uh, he is probably one of the most down to earth guys yeah. that you'll ever meet. Uh, very, and I'm probably one of the best speakers I've ever met. Like, I don't know how he comes up with stuff on the top of his head and, and is able to reach people the way he does, but it is amazing to listen to him talk. Um, I actually met him back in San Diego in 2015. He made fun of how short I was, yeah, why not, right? <laughs> but, but, but like in a friendly way. Yeah. And, uh, I was able to, to, uh, meet him again or come across him again at the performance house when I first got on board and, uh, it was pretty awesome. Like I said, at first, of course, I was I was very nervous, but uh, he makes it so easy to talk to, um, to communicate with each other that uh, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, uh, well, you after, guys have a lot in common too. Like John, so I come from the pro wrestling world. I that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. So like I grew up watching him on TV, but he had uh, aspirations of being a professional bodybuilder when he was, you know, in high school. So it's like, you guys have that connection. Obviously it's a great fit for a brand ambassador. Um, let me ask you this about performance house. Have you ever gone through the, that elements class that they have? No, don't no, do it. Didn't get don't do it. <laughs> Stay away. If you don't, if you don't like cardio, you're going to hate it. It's uh, literally one of the toughest things I've ever done, but um, yeah. talk about the performance house. Were you impressed with it? Oh yeah. I, I think the, the most impressive part about the performance house wasn't the actual equipment, but the trainers. Yeah. Great. Uh, great. Yeah. The, the knowledge that the trainers have, um, you know, the different backgrounds and, uh, it, it's just 
crazy because I remember sitting there and we were they were talking about um, you know ways or, or new products that they could come out with and uh, like I said the knowledge of what these trainers have um, the ideas they have the things that they're putting their clients through um, it, it was all pretty pretty crazy to watch it just made me think like like how are these guys learning all this stuff because you know I, I've gone through some training courses I've I've gone through schooling to get, you know, my, my certifications and all that, but it is nothing near what, what these guys are able to uh, do. So, yeah. I mean, I went through a yeah. training session with Gabe and I'm a bodybuilder and I was like, what are you, what are, you, what are we doing right now? Like, what is, what is this stuff? Um, it's not bodybuilding training, what they put you through. It is some functional mobility stuff that you've, I mean, a guy like you too, you're probably in the gym whipping around a bunch of iron, that type of stuff. Yeah. Like we, it's, it's a different type of exhaustion that we went through and it's super impressive. I'm happy that they're opening up a second location and hopefully then a third, fourth, and expand. When did you fall in love with weights, man? Was this a high school thing? It was. So this was a uh, a deployment thing. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, when I was deployed, um, where were you? I started really uh, Iraq. Okay. So I was I was in Iraq in 2009 um, for a year, and um, really it was just a way to kind of take my mind off everything that was going on. And naturally, being a small guy. Uh, once I started seeing the growth and the progression, I was just instantly hooked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I graduated high school, I weighed 116 pounds. So, just you know, a lot of people don't understand how small I actually was. And you know, I think what you were the same size as me when you graduated. That's light. Yeah. yeah so my Very girlfriend light. was 100. Yeah. When you graduated. Yeah. So, just for know. the record, he said 116, not 160. So people can yeah. like. Understand. So is this like when you're in Iraq, is this, did they actually have, uh, um, like a, a building set up with weights? Was it outside? Was it a, a underneath netting? Like what's the look? Cause we've seen movies, right? Everybody's like, Oh, that's what the weight room looks like. Like what does the weight room actually look like in, on deployment? It depends. It, it basically depends on, on where you get stationed, how developed it was. Like I said, luckily in Iraq, I mean, everything started in 2003 or a little bit before that. So um, yeah, the initial invasion was 2003. So by 2009, you know, you figure they put a lot of time and a lot of effort into things. So, um, where I was at, it was actually pretty nice. Uh, it wasn't too bad. You know, the gym was a decent sized gym, good equipment, had everything you needed. Um, the only issue with where I was at is we got a lot of rocket attacks. So it, it's, uh, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't, <laughs> could it wasn't too bad. Just rocket attacks. Not so bad. Yeah. Who, it could you know. always be worse. You know, yeah. like I said, the mountains in Afghanistan you know, are a million times worse. So I was, I was fortunate enough not to, to experience that, but, uh, you know, or the initial invasion. So right. in, in, in the whole scheme of things, I, I had it pretty good. How was the food though? Good. Oh, it was. Okay. <laughs> I've heard some horror stories about some MRE stuff that some of these guys have been eating. Again, it was... I was part of uh, what you call a multifunction team when I was deployed. Um, so we would do a lot of missions and, you know, I'd go to a lot of different uh, bases or, or fobs, um, as we call them. Uh, and some of them were, were just crap, you know, so you feel bad for the people that are stationed there. But, you know, my home base where I was had a nice dining facility and everything. Nice. Uh, like I said, you don't, you, you can't have it all. So, mm. you know. We had a nice dining facility, nice gym, but in return, we had a lot of mortars to, to worry about. So, sure. 
Uh, yeah. I think one of the the the, biggest, the 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 coolest things about the U.S. military, especially when you go on deployment, is the bond that you share with your brothers and sisters in arms when you're there. Like you, I mean, you have each other. Literally, like you, you're covering their lives when you're there. Um, when you came back from deployment and obviously doing what you do now, how many of the people that you spent time with in Iraq are you still close with today, or that you keep kind of like in your inner circle? Uh, just just my close group of friends, my my team basically. Um, you know, I don't necessarily keep in touch with them but uh well like when we do it's it's like we never stop speaking with mm-hmm. each other uh, it's, they're still my brother my sister um they're still the closest of my friends so right um like i said it's, it's just one of those bonds where like i said you don't have to speak to each other daily but you know that you're there for each other yeah so we talked on a couple things we talked social media military both of the and and both of these things contribute to mental health issues that we have. Like, I mean, you've seen the positive and the negative side of social media come back from deployment. Thank God, there are things like FitOps that can help people transition back into civilization that helps with that mental health. But it's such an epidemic and such a problem. I mean, outside yeah. of like FitOps, how many people have reached out to you personally, whether through direct messaging or whatever, that are struggling with mental health issues, and that you've been able to hopefully guide or help them in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's definitely been more than a handful, you know. Uh, I think one of the first incidents came back in 2017, I believe, um, where somebody reached out to me who was actually uh, a drug addict, wow. and he said that that thanks to myself and and working out that he was able to kick that habit, and uh, that that's where I kind of really realized that, you know, you you can motivate or inspire somebody or influence somebody to do something different just by, you know, sharing a little bit of your life and, and giving somebody some positive insight on things. So, uh, you know, there's that. And then I actually met somebody at the first fit ops or the fit ops camp that I went to said, you know, he figured out about fit ops because of me. And, you know, I've I've only been a part of it for a month at that time. Mm -hmm. So he was one of the ones to, to put in his application and get selected right away. But, uh, you know, if I can continue to do that and help somebody out in that sort of way, then, you know, yeah. job's done. <laughs> well, so. I think, you know, when I was talking to Matt back in the summer, I believe the, the U S government, the Pentagon raised the number to like 20 suicides per day, uh, from U S military men and women from that, that came back, which is way too fucking high, like way too high. Um, so that's why FitOps and John Cena and you guys are all kind of coming together and saying, like, we're here. Like, we're here to help. Um, the enrollment process, I mean, you just go to FitOps.org, and you can you can donate. You can apply to the program. Uh, they have, like, five or six camps a year. I mean, they do a lot. So there's a good good possibility yeah. for you to get in. And on top of that, not only do you get your personal training certificate, like, they help you find placement within gyms or start your own. So it's such a yeah. cool program. Um as we wrap up the, the podcast, I need to ask you a couple questions, some entertaining questions. All right. So after you won your, uh, you took first place back on the 7th of December, what was the, what, what's your preferred meal of choice post-show? Uh, we did a burger okay. for that one. Usually it's either Chick-fil-A or pizza. Okay. Gotcha. Chick-fil-A is uh, not that far out there if you're doing like a, like a chicken breast. Well, it's not. It's just... With Chick-fil-A, it's, it's never a letdown. Yeah, You're, you're always going to get a good chicken sandwich. So, um, you know, whereas if you go get a random pizza spot, you never know if it's going to be a good pizza or it's going to be a bad pizza. Same with burgers. So, yeah, uh, yeah I like it simple. Either uh, 
now Papa John's or Chick-fil-A. So so if your your cheat meal of choice, is it pizza or do you like to get like a lot of people like do a shit ton of sushi, some people like ice cream, cheesecake, whatever it might be? Uh it's definitely um during prep it's gonna be a burger. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a show it'll be pizza. Um I don't really consider sushi a cheat. Like I'll eat sushi almost every high carb day I get. Yeah. <laughs> so there, hey, yeah. you, a pro eats sushi on every har- every high carb day, so that gives everybody else, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> approval to do it as well, including myself, which is great. 2020 Olympia, what does success look like for you? Just uh, standing out. Um, you know, my my goal's never really been to win an Olympia. I just want to show up, and like I said, I, I don't feel like I have uh, the prettiest physique or anything like that, but I feel like I have a unique physique. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be able to get on stage and people will be like, holy shit. Uh, that's kind of, that's my goal. If I can stand out and catch the attention of people, then, then I've, I've done all right. I think it's good because you had quite a bit of buzz around yourself, you know, going in the 18 and stuff, the Jeremy versus Jeremy stuff. And then you took that year off. So this is kind of like you're, you're coming up back out party. Uh, but you are yeah. coming back out with guys like Andre and Brandon and, and Raymond and things like that. So uh, you said your goal is not to win, but what's it going to take to get first call outs? What's it going to take to be final five? Uh, you got to show up at, at 110%. I know myself, I'm, I'm going to have to show up with a little bit of size um, and completely shredded to the bone, mm-hmm. um, and full, you know, uh, if I'm flat, I'm going to look sloppy as hell on stage. So as long as I'm round, I'm conditioned, I, I feel like I can stand out enough to where they'll, they'll call me out into that first call out group and hold my own against, you know, the top seven or eight guys, however many are in that call out. Um, I would love to make it back into the top five. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can make that happen. We'll see. Uh, I'm not going to get butt hurt if it does it, though. <laughs> What's the plan between now and September? Are you going to compete again? Are you just going to train? So um, I found out Andre is doing the Boston Pro Show June 20th. Um, and my goal is to hopefully be up there with him and nice. try nice. to uh, stand up next to him and see where that goes. I feel like if I could stand up with one of the best in the world again and do decently – That'll help me out a little bit uh, in terms of the Olympia. So that'd be a cool uh, measuring stick, Andre. For those who aren't aware, one of the, the biggest personalities in the sport for sure. Uh, <laughs> but I love him; he's a good dude. So, uh, Jeremy, nothing but the best in 2020. So cool about FitOps. I'm sure I'll run into you at a FitOps camp um, soon as well, and or at the Performance House. And so, just yep. uh, a, a final plug for Performance: every Performance product that people purchase and use. Like proceeds of that go into the FitOps program, which is what Jeremy and John and the entire team there is trying to do. So appreciate your time today, bud. Yeah, thank you for having me. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jeremy Pop and having him on the podcast here talking about Performix, Performix House, FitOps, his journey in the U.S. military, his journey on stage uh, to the Olympia in 2020. Again, like I mentioned in the opening, we're going to try to have more and more you know, figures in this space, people who have an impact, people who can help change lives of others, and especially somebody like Jeremy who has been in the military, has many friends and family members in the military, has witnessed PTS or PTSD, um, post-traumatic, uh, post-traumatic disorder, and seeing that firsthand and being able to help give back through FitOps is amazing. If you guys want to donate to FitOps, we're going to include a donation tab or link here on the podcast uh, if you're watching via YouTube or at fitnessinformer.com. We've donated uh, a plenty to FitOps. We will continue to donate. We think it's a great cause. Um, and, and if you find it to be a great cause as well through this 
podcast through some of the other stuff that we've talked about, please, um, you know, don't don't feel obligated, but uh, help support this cause if you definitely can. FitUps.org is uh, is the website to go to. Next week, we will have the boys on from Ghost. Live from the Ghost HQ, coming up soon, Reagan Grimes. So we have a, a packed series of podcasts as we head into the 2020 Arnold Classic. We will be there. We're excited to be there. Uh, hope to see some of you there. If you're there, just scream let's go really loud. I'll know exactly what you mean. I'll turn around. I'll take a picture. I'll hang out. Fuck, I'll get a lift with you. The entire FI team will be in Columbus. Ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you. Appreciate your support. Fitness Informant on Facebook, Fitness Informant on Instagram, Fit Informant on Twitter, Fitness Informant TV at YouTube. Find this podcast, iTunes, or Spotify. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the red button. Fuck you.